This is the Mouthpiece Podcast. Ride solo once again. I'm pretty sure Jade will be back on here, but like I said, right now I'm just going solo until until I get her back on here, to be honest with you. But I miss her. I know you guys miss her, and um, I miss the stats. I miss all of it. But right now, you have me. Let's get to the fights. Big big weekend for fights. You got Stipe Mjolcic versus Francis Nagano, number two. And um, first fight, Stipe walked a tightrope all the way to a decision. And going into this fight, like I said, the tightrope had got a lot thinner. It got a lot more unstable. And it was going to take a uh, Stipe ro- take, rolling back the clock. But it was also going to take him... Uh, rolling back the clock, it was going to take a, just a perfection of a performance from him to, to win this fight. And that's why he didn't win the fight. And I knew that Francis, maybe skill-wise, wouldn't, wasn't going to be better. But he was going to be more patient, more experienced. But he was skilled. Skill-wise, he was better. His wrestling was way better than it was before. His t- he, had a, he hit a sprawl and then switched to get uh, Stipe's back and hit Stipe with some big shots. I'm surprised Stipe stood up to. Like, Stipe's chin... Even though he got knocked out in this fight, just shows how hard Francis hit. Stipe's chin held up, even to the point of the second round, because he had got landed some big shots on. Francis, patience. He punches from a good distance. Like, Francis, if he gets it, he can read a good distance. He knows how to read a distance. He steps in a point where he knows he can land a punch. The punches are flying. He's not even second-guessing it. He's so confident with his power. So confident if he lands. He's so confident if he trades with you. And, you know, I was thinking about his fight with Rosenstrike. Where he just like sprinted on him. It was just like no technique. It was just straight sprint throwing um, bombs. And that's just because he didn't respect Roland Strike. Like he went in there and he just realized like, I, I don't have to respect this guy. I'm going to go in and I can sleep him. With Stipe, he wasn't like that. It was it was respect there. It was respect to Stipe's skill. And with his, and he allowed his patience. He just, he never got too excited. And he, he did, you know, there is a cardio thing there that I could see. You know, even when they did that little wrestling exchange. Uh, Francis was recovering that round. Like the rest of that round, he was like trying to recover from it. Came in the second round and, you know, just like I said, patiently, patiently stalked him down and finally landed a big shot. And once he landed that big shot, it was over. And even Stipe landed a big shot in between his big shot. And it, it, it did show that Francis got, I think Francis got a little rocked on, during that shot, but you're just not going to trade shots with him and win. He's just not, at least not, they don't have a guy right now in the UFC that could do that. So now Francis is, you know, to me, it looks like he could be a megastar in the sport. And he's a he's a fighter from Cameroon. And it showed like the, the whole, they show like videos of the people in celebrating in Cameroon of him winning the title, which is awesome. Really awesome uh, thing to happen and really awesome for MMA, like the globalness of the sport, right? Like it's like the globalness of like soccer and boxing. It's like right there. And um it's really cool. We have three fighters, right, from Africa that are world champs, right, in the UFC. And that that's a great thing. It really is an amazing thing from where the sport comes from. Um, and just showing that it's getting a global reach. And it's it's really important. It's really important to grow the sport because I think Dana White, his vision of it isn't just like a local sport. He wants it to grow worldwide. And I used to think like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, like he's a movie star. And what he realized early was like, okay, yes, movie doing good in the States. That's great. But like, we got to make movies that do good worldwide. And there was like, he made movies a certain way. They didn't have like the most complicated dialogue because it could be translated easily. 
right, into uh, other countries. And he's the biggest star worldwide box office. That's what the UFC's trying to do. That's what, um, you know, the zone's trying to do in boxing. A worldwide, a bigger view than just the states, because the, the world is getting bigger with technology and everything. You can keep track of everything going on. Just like how later earlier that day, I had watched a boxing fight in England, you know, that was on at like one o'clock. It's just like a global reach now. And Francis Nagano could be a, a global star. That's where he hits hard. He has that Mike Tyson appeal where it's like, you do not want to match up with him, right? You do not want to go head to head with him. Um, you do, you, you, you go in there and you just, you don't care who he's fighting. You just know that's going to be a devastating ending, right? He, Joe Rogan was saying he's the baddest man in the world, right? He, he can have, at least take, at least he can like, uh, be debated for that, right? At least he could take, uh, take claim to that. And he's getting better. He's getting a little more skilled. He's getting more confident in his ability. Uh, his strike is getting smoother. And it's funny because the shot that, you know, really put Stipe away was like a stiff jab. It was like straight down the middle. It wasn't like a wild shot. It was a stiff jab, like right down the middle that like rocked him cold. And it's just like he's learning that like it doesn't take all that full explosion to put someone to sleep. It's just going to take the little shots. It's going to take little shots from him. And once he learns that... It's going to be tough going. Like, it's tough sledding. And it's going to be tough sledding for John Jones if that's truly next. Now, I'm not here to put shame on John Jones for asking for more money. He should ask for all the money he can get in the world for that fight. To make a fight. Humongous fight. But besides the money point, right? I don't think John Jones was, was is going to fight Nagano beyond the money part. Now, I believe that John Jones should get paid fat for this fight. He should get paid the most probably any fighters ever been paid, right? These two guys should get paid for this fight in the in the UFC. And I don't like the Dana White saying like, "Well, he doesn't really want to fight because of the money," right? And that's like a negotiating uh, ploy. And I don't I don't really care for it. But other than that, I don't think John Jones truly wants to fight Francis. It's just a, it's it's a horrible matchup for him, right? It's a horrible matchup for him. Because it's a guy with just natural strength. So the, the natural strength, right? Like, so let's say John Jones' technique, right? And John Jones, a lot of his takedowns are, like, really upper body takedowns with, like, trips from the legs. But he's not, like, I don't I don't know. I just don't see, like, John Jones, uh, you know, double, uh, getting a double leg takedown, right? I don't I don't see that, right? And John Jones isn't as spry as he once was. And his stand-up isn't as creative as it once was because it's just... Over time, it just didn't. It's just got more to the basics of it. And John Jones is amazing. He's like, basics-wise, he's amazing. But John Jones uses length, uses his size on fighters, right? He uses that as an advantage. He's not going to have that against uh, Francis, right? And you're not going to be able to, like, if Francis lands, and a lot of people land on Jones, right? You're not going to be able to just put your hands out. No, because Francis is going to be able to get through the reach. And he's not going to be able to pressure uh, Francis against the fence and wear him down. He's just not. So there's going to be a point where he's going to have to stand with him. And if John Jones does the thing where he stands with someone and he gets caught and then he tries to, like, run away from him where he does, like, a full sprint or something like that, I think Francis will catch him and put him to sleep. I just think that the first time Francis lands, this fight's over. And John Jones is going to have to get his legs in a shape where he can get Francis down but hold him down. And Francis seems like he's a little bit more def- – has a little more defense on the – the on the takedown, right? He has a little more defense with takedown defense. He's a little more confident in it. And if you fight Jones, he's gonna be trained that even more. And and for sure, 
Like, I just can't see John Jones trading with Francis and he wins the fight. So he got, I'm eliminate that aspect. Eliminating his reach as well, like as an advantage, which he's had his whole career, right? He doesn't have the reach anymore, right? Also, he's been bigger than all the guys, right? Like height-wise, he's been bigger than all the guys. I'm eliminating, I'm eliminating that. So I'm eliminating all these advantages that John Jones had, right? And now one of the things that he, he kind of lost himself, he's like, he's not that creative with the stand-up anymore. He's not that flashy anymore, right? Uh, his takedowns have considerably gone down. Right from his fights when he was dominating to now, like the fighters, he hardly even gets takedowns anymore. So all these things go into this fight, and I'm supposed to think that John Jones is gonna beat the, the, the Francis, right? Who, you know, like I was, they were saying with the with Stipe that Francis only has like the his only chance is landing one big shot, and I was saying it's the other way, right? We're looking at the wrong way. He had the wrong perspective on it. Stipe's only chance was not getting hit by one big shot for over five rounds. It wasn't going to happen. I don't think John Jones is going to be able to avoid one big shot from from Francis in five rounds. Now, the cardio thing is a concern with Francis. It is a concern. But this patience, right, and him taking, not needing so much on shots and him learning that he don't need so much on shots to knock someone out, it kind of like counteracts it. I just can't see John Jones beating Francis. Now, I hope the fight happens, right? But I also have my doubts that that's going to happen. Because if John Jones is looking for money and they don't want to pay him, then he's all 100% correct not to take the fight. But I think that somewhere in the back of John Jones' head is he doesn't really want this fight now. Because John Jones has a legacy of being the best MMA fighter, right? Just on his record alone and on what he did light heavyweight division. Why would why now take the chance at heavyweight? And if you get knocked out, right, there will be naysayers then on him. I'm curious to see who he takes it. He's got a he's actually got Two guys gunning for him, right? You have Stylebender, who's lost at 205, but still wants that fight and thinks that maybe he can get to that weight a better way, you know, fully commit to it. And now he, he has uh, Francis. It's like two scary guys, two guys that are very dangerous. And John Jones in between all, in between both of them. It's like, what is he going to do, right? I think he goes back to 205 and he fights John or he fights the winner of John Glover. And these are these are winnable fights for him. But I can't see him being Francis. And I think that even though Style Bender lost, I think that's a tough fight for him as well. But we're going to see. I don't think they'll, if it's the money thing and they don't want to pay him, well, then that's on the UFC. If they don't want to pay him for that fight, because that's a mega fight. So they should get paid good for that fight. I agree with that 100%. Let's go to uh, Dylan White versus Pavekin. And I know, I know Pavekin didn't look great in this fight. I know he did it. I know he looked lethargic, he looked out of it. Going into like the walkout looked terrible. It's everything, right? I think. But remember that Pavekin was dropped twice in the first fight. Dylan White was winning the fight until he got knocked out cold. But we have to assume, you know, COVID did play a factor. And now we have to start. I, I hope someone's going back and just adding up the records of all these fighters from MMA and boxing who had COVID. They came back into the first training camp to fight how their performance was. What's a win-loss record? What do they look like? So I, I agree. Pavekin didn't look great. Was it COVID? Was it his age? Was it he didn't look so great in the first one? You know, he got dropped twice. Um, and then he got the knockout. But, you know, he just he didn't. Right. So Dylan White did what he was supposed to do. And he, he won in devastating fashion. I thought he did like I thought he lost himself. Which I thought Dylan White was going to be way more patient in this fight. And he wasn't at all like he was just lunging, looking to, you know, he was really looking to impress. But it's, some of it just came off really sloppy. 
I think when Dylan White does what Dylan White does, and it's kind of like the same thing as Francis, like he just puts, he doesn't look for like to, you know, swing with all his power and, you know, home run shots. And he just kind of gets to work. He hits hard. And when he gets to work and he throws straight punches, he's, 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 he's pretty, uh, he's pretty effective. Really. He's pretty effective for like one dimensional one, you know, from one place. Now he's not going to give you a lot of movement or anything like that. But if he's planted and he's able to punch and he pushes his punches like that, his shots, for some reason, they have a lot of power to him. And I thought he was a better counterpuncher than I expected in this fight. And I thought that he never was really in a position of danger. Like, like I said, they could say that's Pavekin's just a performance Pavekin gave, whatever. It doesn't matter. Dylan White got it done. Pavekin's older. It was about to fall off, or it was bound for the wheels to fall off at some point. And it did. And Dylan White did what he was supposed to do in this fight. And I think that... I don't know if he's a top heavyweight. I don't know if he could beat the league guys, but he's good and he's a credible win for anyone. Anyone beats Dylan White, it's a credible win. And I want to see him fight more because he's entertaining and there's money to be made if you're an entertaining fighter. And Dylan White is entertaining. There's no way you can say he's not entertaining. And I know the Twitter, uh, you know, boxing Twitter wants to be negative. That's like their business. That's like it's easy to be negative. I'm going to be positive. I think he's entertaining. And I think if he lands on you, he could put any man to sleep in the heavyweight division. And he flows with his offense. And it doesn't take him much to put power on his shots. So just right there, his offense alone is pretty dangerous. Leg moment's not great. Defense isn't great. But his power, his punching, it doesn't take much. He's a threat for any man. And they could get him, uh, anyone in the top 10. I want to watch it. Dylan White's entertaining. I had fun with that fight. I thought it was a good fight. I did want to talk real quick on the Cheeseman, right? Cheeseman versus uh, Metcalf. And... I saw Metcalf was favored in this fight. I bet Cheeseman. Because Cheeseman could do more in the ring. He was tested. And, I, you know, Cheeseman lacks anything that uh, athleticism, right? Like, as far as explosiveness, as far as punching power, as far as speed. He doesn't have any of that. He does not have it, right? He does not have that. Nothing elite about any of, like, his movements or anything like that. But he can do everything in the ring, right? He has all the skills and, like, ability as in... Like, uh, you know, defensively, he can move. He, he, can, he can box. He can put pressure on you. The things he does on the inside, like he gets on the inside of you, he knows how to adjust his upper body and lower body together. Not easy things to do. Not easy things to do at all. And he's showing me, you know, he, those are two damn good performances, right? Like, he destroyed um, Egerton, Egerton or Egerton, whatever. And then he destroyed, and he, you know, he beat Metcalf. He knocked him out. There was parts where it seemed like a little bit more competitive than it actually was, but I thought he was, you know, dominating the fight, having a really good performance. And the, he's kind of guy, you know, he's 25 years old. It's going to take him perfect nights to beat top, top guys, but I'm curious to see if they can match him up, right, and keep building him to think he might be a little bit of a problem. He's not going to beat the top, top guys ever. No, he just doesn't. It would just take the perfect performance from him, right? It's most likely not going to happen. But he is an interesting fighter. He's going to be a problem for a lot of guys. I'm telling you, a lot of if there's like a guys coming up, this you know like they got to be careful top prospects, right? And you think like I'm going to go England, let's go win a title against uh, Cheeseman. He's a, he's a tough out. You know him look it, but he's a tough out. He can do a lot of things in the ring. And if you really know boxing, you're seeing the things he's doing in the ring. He's a skilled guy. He's a real real skilled guy. Also, let's talk in the UFC, right? You had Tyrone Woodley versus uh, Luke, and. Uh, you know, when you see like Tyrone Woodley and people say like, why isn't he punching? 
right? Like, why isn't he striking? Like, last, like, few fights, like, he's just gun shy, right? And why is it? Because he's shot as a fighter. He's shot. And he doesn't have his timing anymore. He doesn't have his legs anymore. And I know it's frustrating to watch people and be like, punch now, punch now. His, he, he wants to. His brain's telling him to. His body's not reacting. And he, if you can't feel your legs underneath you, you can't do anything, right? You, you really can't. In a fight, you just get stalled out. Like, it's just, it's uh, it's a hard thing to explain, right? But it's, you know what you want to do. We just can't do it. And that's what was happening with him. And in this fight, and I, I knew he would have, like, moments, right, where he would have a chance because Luke Kick just kind of, like, walks towards you. Like, he just walks straight forward to you. He looks the brawl. And he did. He had, he had a moment in this fight. He had a moment where he hurt Luke. And it wasn't like the people were saying, like, oh, Tyron Woodley's being aggressive and everything. Yeah, he was just being aggressive. He was not being effective. And I know a punch landed and hurt him. But it's honestly like a guessing game with his punches now. Like, he's just throwing them and hoping that they get and do what they want, do something effective because he doesn't have the timing skill he doesn't have the ability anymore to be precise and and to punch when he wants and see these openings. He's not doing that. He's kind of just throwing and hoping it something big lands. And that's what happened. That's why the end performance he went out he went out to sleep because when you're shot, right? And that's why like you see Anderson, he like limited his offense, right? Like Anderson will fight guys, he'll lose decisions and he's not throwing strikes. He's not throwing a lot of strikes. He's kind of just like limiting his offense. The reason he's doing that is because he doesn't have the timing anymore. And he doesn't have uh, the explosion. He doesn't have the legs under him. So he knows that if he does something like that, he could probably get knocked out. And that's what Tyron Willie did. Tyron Willie just said, screw it. I don't have it. But I'm still going to throw balls at the wall. And that's why he got knocked out. He's, it wasn't the old Tyron Willie. It wasn't the old Tyron Willie. It was an old Tyron Willie in the cage. And he got knocked out for it. Let's go to the next fight, Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley looks damn good he looks impressive when you watch him i do think he has some kind of an ankle problem i do see like his ankles give you know what i mean so guys just have ankles to give steph curry had this problem i think his ankles give a little bit but he's effective and as long as he's fighting from a distance he's gonna stay effective here's another thing though is that people are like you know hyping up his stand-up area like that there are dimensions of stand-up right it's not just one two straight punches right and spinning kicks right and from a distance See, you could punch, right? You can have an arsenal from a certain distance, but then someone takes that distance away. Are you good on the inside? I don't believe Sean O'Malley's good on the inside. I don't think he could punch on the inside. And I think that he had a uh, he had a knockout, right? He had a stoppage, but he did. He walked away from it. The guy was able to recover his mistake. But he, the guy was still out on his feet. But why couldn't Sean finish him? Because the guy had his hands glued to his head, right? So you weren't going to be able to land a shot from far away because the guy kept his hands home. So at that point, Sean Melly had to find his way in and get to work, but he didn't know how to do it. And that's going to limit him as a fighter. I know everything's impressive right now. I get it. And it, I'm impressed with them as a distance, but there are levels and elements to everything, to the ground, to stand up and everything. And he does not have an inside game. And if you fight Jan and you don't have an inside game, he's going to chop you up on the inside. He's going to tear you apart on the inside. He needs an inside game. He does not have one right now. And if you can get past... That that first level, right? If you got like two shades, right? And you get past that first level into the, that shade right on the inside, you can go to work on him. He does not know how to, to get the offense going on that. And I, I see it and I think that they didn't talk about it. But it, it, to me, it's clear as day. And I think it's something he's got to work on and grow. But he's right there, wants to, you know, go for a title shot there and like that. That might be a problem. If he runs into the correct guy that knows how to, they, they sees it and knows how to get in the inside and get to work, he's not going to be able to trade with them and win. 
it's uh it's interesting gonna it's be interesting going forward, but he's fun to watch. I'll tell you, like I'm not hating on him, I'm not saying he's anything. He could be a credible threat to the title right now if it's Sterling. Not if it's Jan, though. I think Jan would get on the inside and tear him up. And I don't think he would have an answer for it. Let's go to the thing that has me nervous watching fights. And I'm, I'm super... Uh, this, I'm telling you, like, sports betting, right? And I'm not even betting real money here. It's It, it gets people... Like, it gets you into the fights. I'm already into the fights. But, like, when you have, like, a bet and money on it or pride on it or something like that... It, like I, I'm like deep dived into them, right? But let's see, I, I killed it this week. Like I killed this week. I started off with 498,000, right? Started off with a million, went to 1.2, went down to six, went down to 498. These bets this week killed it. I, I hit every single one. Francis Naganu minus 125, bet 223k for a win. The odds for a KO were the same. Or a win was minus 125. A KO was minus 120. The exact same. Because if you thought Francis was going to win this fight, you had to think he was going to win by stoppage. I didn't want to take a chance to say it's some freak thing where Stipe, he basically stands up to these shots and he was a decision. I just eliminated that. So I just went for a straight win, money line, won 186K on that one. Vicente Luque, I bet him against Tyron Woodley because I knew Tyron Woodley was shot. Every time Tyron Woodley fights, I will bet against him. And uh, I bet 100K on that, won 43K. Sean O'Malley, Plus 135. I thought those odds were insane. Um, I bet 100K on that. Want 32K. Also bet 50K on plus 135 odds that he gets a KO, TK, or draw. I thought that was automatic. It got close for a little bit because he didn't finish him the first time he had him hurt, but still want 67K on that one. Cheeseman, plus 150. I bet 25K. I want 38K. Remember, this is not real money. It's fake money, but these are real bets. So at the end of this, right, start at 498 at at the end of this, I finished total 864K, right? Next week, I'm going to get back to a million. I'm going to get back to where we started, and then we're going to go. We're on a run now. I can feel it. I can feel it. The Cheeseman being an underdog in that fight was insane. That is just not knowing what you're looking at, right? Cheeseman was a tested, proven guy. Metcalf had never beaten anyone legit, anyone. And he sure, he kind of looks the part, but I couldn't believe that those odds, I, I hope they keep giving me odds like that. Um... I hope, you know, you took some of my betting advice on this one because I killed it this week. And I know it's been a little bit of a struggle, but look, at I'm getting back. I'm 864K right now. I'm going to be back in a million in no time. Thank you, guys. This has been the Mouthpiece Podcast.